What's going on, sports fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Semi-Athletic Sportscast, where two semi-professional sports aficionados discuss their lukewarm takes on the achievements of real professional athletes. I'm your host, JT, and joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend himself, the front man of Sergeant Ginger's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the man known as the Gingerbread Man, the Ginger Ninja, Mr. Agent Orange himself, my man Kempson Cross, KC. How's it going, dude? The front man of what? Sergeant Ginger's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We gotta get you a job, man. Uh, <laughs> I can't... Can't hey, 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 time out, time out, time out. Do you know who the Beatles are? Do you know who the Beatles are? I, I know who the Beatles are, yes. I'm aware of who the Beatles didn't. I didn't live under a rock, or at least not a rock that big to where I didn't. Are, are you aware of their album called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Yeah. Okay, good. I just, I, I, I was just checking, you know, I, yeah. Okay, good, good. That's high quality. So, are have you heard of the principle, if you have to explain the joke, it's not probably that funny i think it's really amusing i think it's a really good joke i think it's a really good nickname it's a great nickname and i'm actually rather proud of literally as we were talking before we hit record of coming up with this stupid idea to start calling you that and it's gonna stick okay so the front man all right cool another leadership position to add to my resume uh anyway yeah life life is going pretty good in general i got a job interview this week so that was and i felt like it went pretty well so i am waiting mostly patiently to find out what the actual result of that was and i mean i'm excited to be back with this not just doing this podcast my brother and i have started one called across the groove that is is centered on dirt sprint car racing and we're super excited about that because it's something we are both passionate about and we follow pretty closely and so we talk about at least one of the national touring series which is called the world of outlaws they actually come to montana in august this year again they've been here the last couple of years and then some of the west coast stuff as well because we grew up in california originally from the fresno area down in california that's where i'm originally from my whole family's from that area and up and down the valley and up and down the West coast really. And, and up here a little bit too, but especially over there, California is a real hotbed for, for sprint car racing specifically. And so, yeah, that's just something we, we grew up with and, and we're excited to, to run our mouths about what we call the greatest sport in the world in, in, in our intro to episodes. And we're at least on Spotify, I know, and we're still working out the kinks uh, kind of like we were when we first started up again with with this semi-athletic sports cast and we're on spotify too with with the semi-athletic sports cast and and we're on soundcloud and a couple other places too but anyway uh just that's something that's that's exciting and new and uh something that that we've been working working hard on behind the scenes especially but it's still kind of mostly for fun especially uh, like this one i'm excited to get into actual nba talk which we've been threatening to do forever it seems like yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what's more threatening the fact that we might talk about the NBA or the thought of you having to wait patiently by this time next week, for all we know, you're just going to be chugging four locos, you know, having a bit, bit of a, you know, nervous breakdown waiting to hear back on your job interview at this pace. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to lose my mind in the meantime. Cool. So hopefully I hear back soon on that. No, I get you there. Well, best of luck to you. I know we've talked about it quite a bit off the air, but best of luck to you. Hopefully you get it. Hopefully you hear back quick and, 
you can go hit the ground running and start making that cash money. Yeah. Especially with across the groove, like, uh, I have to apologize because I haven't actually mentioned the semi-athletic sports cast on there yet. So my apologies for not giving a shout out to semi-athletic yet. I'll make up for that in, in our next episode. I promise. I mean, I, I mean, this is where I would give you a hard time for treating this podcast like your redheaded stepchild, but your family, that actually might be a compliment. This podcast, you know, can't just play second fiddle to you, man, you know? I feel disrespected. <laughs> the thing is, we started this thing during college and it was a it was a class project originally. And I don't think people expected us to keep it going. And they were kind of right after a little while. Like we, we went for, for a little bit and we got through, I think, like our NFL preview the next fall. And then we kind of dropped off the map and we've kind of resurrected it at this point. And so to have second life. And finally be talking NBA is, uh, is really something. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm finally excited to talk about, you know, my preferred sport. But it is, it is crazy to think that this started when we were in college as two dorks sneaking into the journalism school all incognito wearing black hoodies and balaclavas trying to look all stealthy. Okay. That's a lie. We just walked right on in and made it look like we belonged there and went right on in and nobody ever bothered us, which was great. Um, but yeah, it's good to finally be able to talk about some NBA, um, which I guess on the docket today, we're going to start the, the first part of a segment or a special podcast type we're still working on coming up with with a name for it, but basically, this is today's going to be the first episode in our series where we're going to basically challenge the innermost basic parts of different sports leagues and whether or not they're necessary. Suggest making changes to them, um, how to better improve them, all of those sorts of things to kind of just how do we make the leagues around us better, as well as in some of our episodes challenge the very, I guess, nature of, of some of our leagues in terms of things that we just accept as, as sports fans. It's just, well, this is the way it's done. And therefore it's been done this way forever. And it's done properly because it's been done for so long. So it's just one of those things where we're going to kind of pick that apart and analyze it and maybe come up with some conclusions or we'll just leave that to you, our, our wonderful listeners on what they actually, you know, what, if we've made a compelling case to actually make some changes. So today we're starting with the NBA. Um, as many of you probably are aware, if you're listening to this podcast, the NBA has proposed a few things here in the last few months. I think they actually all ended up getting tabled somewhere around December or January. I know they've been tabled. I just can't remember the exact time frame of when Adam Silver's proposals were tabled to kind of adjust how the NBA regular season works. So that's what we want to talk about today. The NBA regular season, as well as maybe a little bit of who gets into the playoffs and that sort of thing. So I guess to start out with, I guess the way I look at it is there's basically going to be three parts to this. There's going to be the mid-season tournament part, there's going to be adjusting the number of games in the regular season, as well as then playoff expansion or disexpansion if you want to go the other way, um, and just kind of talking about what teams are going to ultimately end up in the playoffs for the NBA. So, Kemp, I'm going to turn it over to you. 
Um, how do you, I guess my first question is, do you, do you agree with that analysis that those are kind of the, the three key parts to this conversation are the tournament, uh, the number of regular season games, and then the playoff expansion or unexpansion and shrinking of the playoffs? Yeah, I think that about covers it. Uh, I, I think starting with the midseason tournament is is kind of, you could argue, the most compelling version because it would be the most revolutionary because obviously you have playoffs, but you've had playoff expansion before. You've had the playoff changes before, adjustments like that, innovations, if you will. And as far as the number of games, like that's not not necessarily as compelling either or or as you know the the number of games isn't as interesting necessarily as as having just a totally new event to have a tournament in the middle of the National Basketball Association season I think would be unprecedented not at other levels obviously college you have some of these con- different conferences doing challenge type term- tournaments early in the season especially and you have some of your kind of invitational stuff as you go down through the other levels but as far as in NBA specifically I don't know that they've ever had really that type of approach to things and I think it could be quite fun and I think that's why we're leading off with it so just to kind of before we dive into the midseason tournament as kind of the first part of this we're going to basically take this in three parts we're going to start by first talking about everything to do with the midseason tournament which I think will probably blend a little bit into uh the NBA schedule and the number of games that are played every year I think those two kind of have this natural kind of they fit together really well because talking about the midseason tournaments obviously going to impact the number of games played, but we're going to try and tackle the midseason tournament as its own idea, followed then by uh, the number of games in the regular season, and then we'll conclude with a little bit of playoff talk, um, and that'll kind of be the flow of this episode. Um, so first off, so I guess let's let's just kick right into the midseason tournament. Um, I know I have my thoughts, but. I'd like to hear what you think about how you envision a well-run mid-season tournament working for the NBA, or if you even think it's a good idea. I, I would love to hear your challenge and pushback to that too. I think it could be a, a very fun event uh, if you if you do it right. I guess like I I think that I think the original announcement was that it was supposed to take place in like April or May. But they later were talking about November or December, which is good because I think if you get too close to the playoffs, then you're probably going to have a completely different product than you are in the early season when you're trying to drum up excitement for the for the rest of the of the season that is is kind of long. Like obviously it's not Major League Baseball long, but it's one of the longer regular seasons of the big sports in in the United States specifically, and so I would say. It would be quite fun to see, you know, the top eight or top sixteen or however however they end up doing it. I to see the top, especially early season teams in the NBA, because I mean it's it's just one more way. And I, as far as how seeding would work, I don't know that you're ever going to get in the actual NBA playoffs, because I don't think the Eastern Conference would probably go for it. I don't think you're going to get the top 16 unconferenced, quote-unquote, to just go into the playoffs, or top 12, or top whatever, however many teams. I don't think you're going to get the the agreement from the East, but, I mean, they're at least right now, because the West is clearly the stronger conference, and it seems like it's been that 
that way for quite a while. But anyway, I think that that could potentially be something that you that you would have a little more luck in instituting with the midseason tournament if you do that in more like December or whatever. And you could potentially have, you know, bonus money at stake and things like that. And you could potentially have like the championship of, of this tournament, or especially if it's like, say a double elimination format to try to, to try to have more games and, and not cut back on games too much, because obviously in your partnerships with, with, uh, with the players contracts and also with your media partners and stuff like that, you have, you have to have a certain amount of games to honor those contracts and things like that. So not looking to, to completely reinvent the wheel here, but as, as far as kind of a helpful innovation, I think it could be fun to maybe have a double elimination format. And then you could have, you know, the championship third play or consolation game, uh, like whatever the last few games and, and most important for each kind of bracket, you could put those on Christmas Day, for example. Uh, I mean, Christmas Day is already a marquee deal for the NBA. Like, it's it's kind of the NBA's day, it seems like. Anyway, all that to say, I think that there's potential there. And I think it could be fun to incorporate it into the regular season as far as being, you know, still standard kind of five-on-five five play. You feature some of your stars in some potentially uh, big showdowns and kind of... I, I don't know. I'm not always in favor of manufacturing drama, but when you don't necessarily need it, but with this kind of system, it could be a really, like I said, a really good way to try to kind of drum up some excitement for the rest of the season. And, and you could kind of revisit uh, potentially the early season, like mid season tournament in, in the playoffs and, and in the stretch run and stuff like that. I don't know. I think there's uh, some, a lot of good reasons to have, to institute something like this. And I don't think, like you said, you have to completely just reinvent yourself as a league and reinvent the, the wheel on this. Like you can, you can kind of ease your way into it. You don't have to necessarily go nuclear and, and make this a completely different thing. But I know that some of the stuff we've talked about off air, some of your stuff is, is pretty revolutionary. Yeah. So a couple of things, first off, um, I, before we talk about kind of my, broader ideas because I have I actually since the last time we've talked I have come up with another kind of interesting idea that could work as well to kind of actually how to implement this midseason tournament but the first thing I, I, I really wanted to hit on you brought up Christmas Day games and this is something I think that's going to end up becoming a theme throughout a lot of this podcast at least on my end is that protecting NBA revenue is going to be one of the hardest challenges of instituting a midseason tournament or reducing the number of games or changing the playoff format. Obviously, reducing the number of games is going to hurt revenue in terms of ticket sales and things like that. I actually am not necessarily convinced it'll hurt the TV revenue, but the possibility of that does exist, so I'm that, that is something we should get on the table. But obviously, then with the playoffs, if they go to straight 16 teams, protecting the revenue for some of the Eastern conference teams is going to be really important as well. But with the mid season tournament, I think one of the big things here is you have to protect Christmas day at all costs. Um, there needs to be regular season scheduled games on Christmas day. And the reason I'm going to say that is I think one of the big things is the NBA promotes heavily their Christmas day games 
um, for weeks and months and is are probably the most anticipated games on the NBA schedule and just having to be announced midseason tournament finale games on Christmas Day or even having the kickoff there, I don't know if that necessarily works. Um, I think protecting Christmas Day for the TV deals and all of that stuff is just too important and you need some regular, regularly scheduled games on on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's that's part of the power of of the Christmas Day games is you know it's going to be, you know, LeBron and Kobe back in the day. It's going to be these marquee matchups, you know, Clippers Lakers or whatever that that the NBA can hand pick before the season. So that totally makes sense. So, yeah, no, exactly. And so so to kind of dive in, I'm going to break this down into basically my th- my three ideas on how to implement the midseason tournament. The first one, and I'm not actually going to try and pick out like exactly when this tournament should take place during the regular season. I think that's actually a conversation that needs to come down between the league and the players association, because there's a lot of questions I particularly have that I just don't have the capability to answer because I'm not a player. I think that one way to use this midseason tournament could almost be as a second all-star break in terms of you know, you do it maybe at the end of, obviously not the end of February because we're still in the all-star break, but maybe the beginning of January or the middle to the end of March or something. I, I The timing of this is tricky and is something that I think that I just am going to leave up to the league regardless of how they decide to do it. Because I think if handled right, you're giving players more rest as well, which is going to be a way to get the players to be more into the idea of a midseason tournament is just to make sure that they're getting more rest and with a couple of these ideas, at least have something to play for. The first kind of idea that, and I know this one is percolated out there. Um, I heard a lot of this talk from Bill Simmons that basically it would start, and this one I actually think should take place later in the season, maybe the end of March where you take the top 16 teams and you send them to say Boston, New York, LA, one of the big basketball meccas, or I guess you could, hell, you could send them to Vegas um, and do this tournament in Vegas. That's pretty centrally located to at least a large part of the NBA viewing audience could get to Vegas pretty easily to go attend the tournament. You take the top 16 teams, they all go down there and they're all playing for something. Um, and what Simmons actually suggested is a win share. So that winning the midseason tournament gives you, you're still going to play like your 82 regular season games, but you're going to get, you know, now the max amount of wins you can get is 90. So how that would work is if you win the midseason tournament, you would get a certain amount of points for winning round one, then winning round two, round three and round four. And so that way, what happens is you're getting a certain amount of points. You're getting a win for or a certain amount of wins for every single round of that tournament to a max of eight. So then what happens is you, you know, if you're say the Milwaukee Bucks and you win the whole thing, you get eight additional wins tacked on to your total when it counts towards the playoffs. So if you're a second or a third place team currently chasing Milwaukee this year, who has a pretty sizable lead, that can be a real incentive to chase it because you're, you could get a buy for the playoffs or you could secure yourself home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, which is a really, really powerful thing. 
And a lot of the, the pushback you hear to a midseason tournament is, well, the players aren't going to play for it. That's just not something they're interested in. They don't want to play any more games. They don't want to risk getting hurt because it just hurts their team in the long run. So with this idea, basically what you've done is you've said, no, this helps your team by you playing in this tournament helps your team. So that's that's the first way. And then obviously the bottom 16 teams would go somewhere else to play their tournament. Um, I'm not going to pick a city, but obviously find another city. They go and play there. And they're playing for increased lottery odds or a guarantee of a top whatever kind of pick in the draft um, after a certain point. And again, you'd have to workshop some of this. You know, maybe the teams that go to the the top 16 tournament actually it's maybe say the the bottom or the top 24 teams or something so you're only sending six teams to this quote lottery tournament so that way the winner of the lottery tournament is guaranteed a top five pick or something like that um so what are your kind of thoughts and pushback on something like on on that first kind of preliminary more realistic idea on a midseason tournament. I think that actually incorporates into the regular season a little better. I think February would probably be arguably the ideal time because you're no longer competing with the National Football League. I mean, you have the XFL and, and some other stuff going on, but mostly the NBA kind of takes over the calendar and, and you're right before March Madness. So there's like build up to that as well. And I know college basketball and NBA obviously are not, they don't always go hand in hand. I understand that, but you don't necessarily want to compete directly with March Madness. I don't think. And, and so I think February would probably be a good period time period, especially once the Super Bowl is over to, to have a good time frame to have, have something like this in that being said, not not to take us in a totally different direction, but would you watch a tournament where, say, the bottom 14 that don't make the playoffs, if we don't expand the playoffs and we leave the playoffs as as is right now, would you watch the bottom 14 play for uh, the number one pick for whether it's lottery odds or whether it's just straight up knockout type of type of deal or or you could have a point system there okay so a couple of things so i want to address one thing before i address that question is that you you brought up february as your ideal time and i was thinking the end of march or like somewhere in april as being having this as close to the playoffs without crowding the playoffs as possible because of the the playoff implications was why I was thinking that would be the ideal time to do that because then you have teams you're starting to actually get down to the wire where that potentially winning that tournament and those extra eight wins actually can matter because you're running out of games to start closing a gap. So I think your point about March Madness is is true. And again, this is a quagmire that we're not going to be able to solve the entire thing but i think that's certainly one concern that is a good that is a good point though i, I just want to say that yeah you're 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 you make a solid point as far as you know april being probably a better thing because then you're tail ending march madness so you could argue that basketball fever is is at at a pitch where it it may not be at any other time on the calendar because of March Madness. And I so so I think that could be good to feed off of as well. Yeah, I think you're I think you're onto something. There. And there's absolutely nothing else going on because I think by then the XFL will be over. And the only other shows in town are basically like MMA and baseball. Like Right. And and no offense, like 
MMA is a super, super niche, or at least the hard course. This year, April is going to be a really big month for MMA um, just because of the Tony Khabib fight. So maybe this year specifically is a little bit of a different story. But MMA is normally so niche that it's not really a direct competitor with the NBA other than when you have the occasional massive UFC pay-per-view and some like massive NBA game taking place on the same night. You usually, those two aren't actively competing for the same viewers. Um, And I think the thing with baseball is like baseball viewership, at least in the first part of the year, at least anecdotally to me, seems like it's pretty like it, it. Baseball's steady, but not something that the NBA couldn't swallow up with something exciting. And I also think that a lot of the people, at least the demographics where we are, that that tend to like baseball tend to be a lot of people for whatever reason that I don't want to get into the potential political quagmire of stepping into. Um, a lot of baseball fans aren't basketball fans. And we're going to leave that one alone. I will say for me personally, like obviously opening day happens in baseball, but the regular season is is so long. Like I feel like I can kind of tune in, tune out and, and kind of, you know, get a feel for, for the flow of the season kind of as, as I go basically with baseball, especially when, once you get into like the summer months and you actually have an idea of which teams are good, like that's, that's a little different, but after opening day, like in the spring, it's, it's pretty much like, okay, baseball's there, but I mean, it, 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 I, I don't know that the NBA would lose every time if they're in direct competition with that. No, and that's and that's my point is that I don't really think the NBA has to worry about it because I think inherently the the, the audiences are different, I think at least in large part, but I also just don't think the NBA really needs to worry because of how slow of a burn the MLB season is. Right. So to answer your question though, where you where you were like would you would would somebody like me who's I'm I'm admittedly a little more of a basketball hardcore watch the bottom whatever how many bottom 14 bottom six bottom eight whatever numbers you ended up deciding to land on for this tournament would you watch it absolutely i'd watch it if if they've decided to say hey the winner of this tournament gets the number one pick i mean that's pretty damn compelling hell if it's a guaranteed top three pick in most drafts that's really compelling because the thing is is like Last year was a bit of an anomaly where Zion was clearly the best player in the draft. And once every, you know, six or seven years, you get a draft where it's like, there's this guy and then everybody else. But, you know, if you could backtrack to the, to the 2018 NBA draft and say, okay, the winner of the, of this bottom tournament gets Luka Doncic. Like that's pretty compelling especially knowing what we know about Luka Doncic now. That that's a really compelling thing to be watching for. Um especially with in the next year or two, it's either the 2021 or 2022 NBA draft is start is going to start having high school players. So the talent pool for the draft is going to grow in a way that I really think is going to open up where playing for a top 3 pick in a draft could be a really compelling thing that could totally totally change a team's fortunes and I think that's really compelling and especially right now too if you take a look around the league like most of the bad teams at least the ones I can think of off the top of my head outside of like San Francisco or not San Francisco Sacramento and maybe the Knicks 
all have like a guy that gets me excited to watch them play basketball. Like almost every single team does. Because if you think like the bad, I mean like the Suns have Devin Booker, the Grizzlies who are actually now apparently in playoff contention have John Morant. The Hawks have Trey young. Like there are a lot of like a lot of these bad teams have some compelling players and it's not, it's not like this, like the talent pool in the NBA has spread itself out to where there are a lot of exciting players with a lot of potential on just about every team. So in a way that this bottom tournament isn't going to be bad basketball, it's actually, I think going to be very good basketball with a lot of guys playing hard. Yeah. And that totally matters. And you don't want to run that against the playoffs, obviously, I, I, if I remember correctly, the the schedule as far as the daily schedule of the playoffs for the NBA works out to where there's playoff games pretty much every night. Yeah, at least in the first couple of rounds, at least in the first couple of rounds, there's playoff games every night. Once you get to the conference finals, that's not really doable. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much every night there for a solid couple weeks stretch where there's there's playoff basketball. Then maybe since, especially since it probably wouldn't necessarily be a series-based deal, you could sprinkle in some of the non-playoff teams' games in the, that goes into the tournament. You, you could sprinkle the, those into the late playoff type of, type of time frame. Obviously, you don't want to take away from the actual NBA finals and, and stuff, but I don't know that you would take away much. I think it would just give people more basketball, especially in between some potentially very intense playoff games. Well, and one of my thoughts was what you could do is you could take this bottom tournament and say the, say the top 16 or whatever it is tournament ends up being best of ones. Every single round of it is a one game playoff game, basically in the top tournament. But then you take for the bottom tournament, you make it a series where it's best of say best of three. Yeah. And what, and, and this is leading into another conversation we'll have in a minute, but, uh, or a little down the road, but you're talking there. There's been a lot of talk about opening the playoffs up to just the top 16 teams, regardless of conference, turning this bottom tournament into a best of three might be a little bit of a nudge to get some of those Eastern conference teams that are in the bottom that obviously are because the East has been traditionally weaker than the West to the point where there's going to be so there's going to be far fewer Eastern conference teams in the playoffs is at least the, the perception that saying, Hey, we've got this bottom tournament that some of your teams are going to get to go to, and it's going to be best of threes. There's going to be what three or four rounds and it's going to work great for you because you know, this is, there's, there's a, there's not only a giant carrot at the end of the stick, but there are games that we will televise and all of that stuff to kind of hold a carrot out to say, you didn't make the playoffs, but here's the next best thing that might be enough to help kind of move that needle to opening up the playoffs to just the top 16 teams. Yeah. And it kind of by its very nature discourages tanking as well, because if you're trying to be the worst team, but you have to earn your way to the top draft pick that won't, actually work unless you're openly like putting your worst version of yourself on the floor and and then all of a sudden you get into the tournament and and you play hard for the number one pick like that's that would be bush league i think but anyway that's another that's kind of another discussion entirely but it's but the the point is 
I I I I agree. I tend to agree with you. And if I if I may for a second, Kempson, too. If I may, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is a point I really want to make because I think it's important. Is that the one thing about that about having to play for the number one pick is it also ensures that good players don't get wasted on bad teams in the NBA where they're going to go to 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 a team that has some infrastructure there that isn't just that we have these number one draft. You're not going to have an Anthony Davis situation, ideally, where he ends up with the Pelicans and they're just there's nothing around him where you're going to you're going to help your cream rise to the top, I think, by giving the number one draft pick to a team that is at least kind of earned it. I mean, I know I'm going to get some pushback for that, but I actually really like that idea. Yeah, and, and I just I you can probably tell from what I was saying a little bit earlier. I despise tanking, and I, I mean, to a certain extent, I can kind of wrap my head around the practicality of it sometimes. But I'm, it, it, it just I it doesn't doesn't jive with me. I I don't I don't like it. And also, like as far as the East being perceived as weaker and maybe even being weaker historically, get better. I mean, I, I, I understand that that's easier said than done. I totally, totally get that. But I mean, I, 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 the bottom line is I think in sports in its purest form, it's supposed to be a meritocracy. So if you want to have a better shot at, at things, then change what you're doing in, in ways you never have before. And, and maybe you'll rise to the top because that's, what's going to happen to, to the best constructed franchise. The only thing that makes it that's been a real challenge for the East has largely been that the, they only have like the, the West because of all the California teams and Houston and a few others. Cause the West, the West has a lot more basketball quote meccas in it than the East does. I mean, the East has Boston and New York and I kind of count Brooklyn because Brooklyn's part of New York City. But it's like, other than that, I mean, Toronto's big for Canada, but it's not like the U.S. Like, there's not, there isn't like, it, they don't have as much of those big, large market teams in the East, is I guess what I'm trying to say. So, that's been the logistical challenge of it. And... Yeah. The other problem is too is you just have a lot of poorly run teams in the East, like Charlotte, that is a disaster. The Knicks have been a disaster. The, right, the right, right. literally the entirety of our lives have been an absolute disaster. Like, and that's not a joke. Yeah, they, and that's <laughs> literally not a joke. They have been a disaster for almost thirty years. They've just been a disaster, and so. There are some log- logistical challenges that the East faces that makes it hard, but but I agree. I I'm always been a like I always have thought you should reward good teams or encourage teams to want to be good, and this is I think a way to help combat tanking because I think tanking is the biggest pro one of the three biggest problems the league has right now. Um, I actually don't know if I'd even call it the biggest. It's probably the second biggest, only behind. I think right now some of this load management stuff is getting a little out of hand in some ways. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't load manage your stars because that's literally not yeah. what I'm saying. But I think from a fan's perspective, there are things that are hurting not only ratings, but some other some other things going on that I actually want to tackle in another episode of this podcast is what the NBA should do about load management. I think I've actually developed a pretty interesting solution for it. Um, that's pretty simple and straightforward. 
So, um, but we'll tackle that at a different date. Yeah. And something that kind of to work our way into the, the second part of what we talked about as far as the regular season, as far as the games that go there for me, I don't really see the point of divisions, especially in basketball. And, and so I think it'll be slightly revolutionary, but I think you just put 15 teams in each conference and you say you play three games versus your conference opponents and two versus the other conference that equates to 72 games in the regular season. And then with these other tournament games, you're not losing out on your, on the game, the, the number of games that you're committed to really, uh, it, it'll all work itself out as far as, as far as the, the agreements you have to honor that I was referencing earlier and stuff like that. But like doing the math and kind of running some of the numbers, crunching them on my own, in my mind, I think that's probably a good thing to do is kind of shore up the regular season a little bit to kind of give these tournaments that we're talking about room to breathe. Yeah. And we're, we're going to dive, a, we're going to dive into the, what to do about the regular season schedule a little bit here in a minute. Cause we, we still have the two crazy mid season tournaments to get to. I think naturally you're going to have to uh, at some point shorten the regular season to accommodate these mid season tournaments. I think that's just a natural thing. I think regular the shortening of the regular season is a reality that the NBA for a long time wasn't okay with and I think is now kind of accepted that it's what they're going to have to do. A lot of it's because of load management and things and just the realities of today's NBA are not built for an 82-game schedule. But this midseason tournament can help the league. I, I know the number that's thrown around to uh, to shorten the regular season down to 72 games. If you're assuming every team loses 10 games, um, that's 300 games, but you divide that by two because obviously teams can't aren't playing themselves. They're playing another team. So you're losing about 150 games, which I don't know. I mean, in terms of ticket sales and stuff, I don't know if that's actually going to – that'll be a big hit on revenue, but I don't know in terms of the TV stuff how that would impact it. Um on honestly that that much I have not a clue about because I don't know how those contracts are written. Um, I actually don't think really anybody outside the NBA and those TV networks knows. So that's a really unanswerable question, but I, I think, think you can access some numbers somewhere, but I, yeah, as far as like the nitty gritty details of it, I'm sure those are do the big, the big way you have to look at it is, is that contract written to say, okay, TNT gets this amount of NBA games and it's this amount every single week. And we are paying this much to have it. And is the, if they shorten the season to 72 games, does that change how that, it, that contract is applied? Is it like, is it written as just, and like, that's the stuff that just isn't answerable without having the thing in front right, of right, me right. and a lawyer to help me kind of sort, you know, like, I'm pretty legal smart. Like I've taken some legal classes when I was in college as a poli sci major, (laughs) but like I'm not a lawyer and I would need a damn good one to help me with it. So that's just an unanswerable question. But I think this mid season tourney could really be a, uh, could really be a boon. And the big thing is too, is you can sell sponsorships for this mid season tournament, which is going to kind of lead into my, my crazy two ideas. One of them is a little more simple. It's basically just you do an international tournament, much like, you know, you have FIBA and you have the Olympics and things. 
But one interesting thing they do in Europe is they do have like the Euro Cup for soccer where all the teams in Europe basically compete or at least at a certain level all compete for their for the for whatever the league championship is called in soccer. I'm not a soccer fan. I just know this is how it works. Um that what we could do is that you could invite, you know, you could do the midseason tournament with all 30 NBA teams and you bring in teams from um, overseas in Europe, like the top teams from there, and you match all the teams up and you just have a single one-off or a couple, you know, single game eliminations. And then obviously you have the teams from Europe play some exhibition games if they lose out just to make sure that their time over here isn't totally wasted. Um, and you just basically have a tournament to win this international basketball cup that you have every single year, um, I think is an option. I like it less than the other midseason tournament ideas, but that's just kind of one random thought I had. What do you think about doing that? I mean, that sounds kind of like you would already get that in the Olympics or, or in some sort of like FIBA competition already so that's already in place. And so I, I would probably move on to the next idea just at fate just just my gut reaction to that yeah no exactly and that was kind of my thought on the matter was just you know um yeah you have that there but i mean in in soccer they have that you have the world cup and in they still have these like european championships it's if we were in europe it would be an easier fix you know what i mean but i think that that's already served but it was just an idea I wanted to float out there. Yeah, and and it's it's worth at least mentioning. I'm not I'm not trying to dismiss it entirely. I just think that, like I said, similar things are already in place, so you don't really need to you know just throw a different paint scheme on it and try to trot it out and make it look like it's it's something different than than is already there. Just so I'm clear, you would have NBA teams not necessarily like the all-star dream team type approach which we usually have in the olympics and stuff it would be like nba squads going against these european teams yeah yeah that exactly and that's actually why i think it would be kind of cool the, okay the, so that's a little that's a little different yeah yeah, yeah because yeah. the thing is in like in, in like fiba in the olympics it's like you have your country specific squads where this is like you know you have um whatever luka Doncic's slovenian team was you know, that he played for, or not the Slovenian team, his, it was it Dortmund. I think I can't remember what, Oh no, it was Barcelona. He played for Barcelona in the European league. That's who it was, but you'd have like Doncic's entire Barcelona team coming over to play NBA, an NBA squad and stuff like that. So it's a little different. Um, you've got European guys with a little more chemistry than you get with the national teams. Um, but na- internet in na- but national basketball in Europe's a lot bigger than it is in the U.S. So like I don't I, I don't know actually know how much the chemistry there would help, but it's a thought. Yeah, I mean as long as China's not making too much money off of it, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think I, I don't know. It was just a random thought I have. I had, but now for the crazy one. Um, and I admit this is insane. This is a little totally out of left field. Um. Once again, inspired by European soccer in, in Europe, they have, they have a tournament in, in, in England and some of these places where the big clubs, so like Manchester United and Arsenal and these big soccer teams play in this tournament where like local club teams can participate. And basically how it works is like, 
you know, Manchester United will only send like some of their bottom tier players to this tournament um, to start with. And then as it progresses through the ranks of this cup, they start sending their good players because you're going to start playing other big teams. So like Arsenal will get matched up eventually with like Manchester United and on and on and on and all of that sort of stuff. So this got me thinking of what kind of structure like that would fit the NBA really well. And this is what I came up with would basically be, you have two of these mid season tournaments and you would have one in each locate in, in like two different cities. And it would start out with where you could invite former college players, you know, club teams from different cities around the U S to have small play in tournaments to get into this larger mid season tournament where I kind of see it two ways. One, you get all the NBA players you figure out however many NBA players there are. There's going to be that amount of teams, and you and you draft. It's five on. It's three on three basketball, much like Ice Cube's the Big Three, which has kind of become a, has come under some controversy with the NBA due to stealing their idea for the All Star Game this year, apparently. But basically, what you would do is you would have you'd get captains for these NBA squads that would then take, you know, you take this NBA player, this NBA player, and then you would take, you know, you would draft guys from these club teams to build these teams together, or you would just take all of the NBA players and screw all the, all these little club teams and have them draft each other to basically like little all-star teams with where you could only have a certain amount of star, like of like the all-star caliber players. And then you're just drafting, lesser known players from around the league to play in, you know, these best of three, you know, like first to first to 32 or whatever you pick a number, like first to 40, 40 games. So the first team to score 40 points wins. And it's a best of three series where you have these, you know, it's just five on five teams of these NBA players battling it out against each other. And the top prize and this is where this gets really cool and I think could get really interesting is I think you could market the midseason tournament. I, I I did marketing for a while. That, that's part of my background is you could sell a, a package as the NBA to a TV network or to a company like GM or somebody. You just you find a company, you know, one of these multi multi billion dollar industries to sponsor the tournament. And what you say is, all right, each team has five players. The winning team gets $50 million, $10 million a player. And where, a, and then obviously you sell it for more than 50 million. So that way the NBA is getting some of its costs. You know, you, they're making, you know, a hundred million dollars off of it or something like that. Um, obviously some of these numbers aren't going to entirely work out, but the idea is, is that you've got a bunch on every one of these teams You've got a you've got guys that aren't stars that are probably only making a couple million dollars a year and giving them a way to suddenly earn a ten million dollar or so payday. So you've just suddenly taken their ability to make money and really given the players something that goes, oh, holy mother of God, we need to play hard in this tournament because, like, say you've got LeBron James who's like. I've got all the money in the world, but say he gets Alex Caruso on his team. I know they're teammates now, which is why I'm 
using him as an example and being like, I got to play hard with this at this tournament. So that way I get Alex Caruso, his 10 million bucks. Cause like 10 million bucks is a kind of a drop in the bucket for LeBron. Like, yeah, it's not insignificant, but it's also not like, you know, the end of the world where 10 million bucks to some of these lower end NBA guys on a roster is life changing money. And I really think that that would incentivize players to play super hard at this tournament and also give you a chance to mix up the league and get guys playing with guys they've never played with before. And, and this is something that since the last time we've talked, I, and I kind of ran this idea by you. I think the really cool thing you could do here is that the NBA could start experimenting with some rules. You kind of saw them do it in the all-star game this year with the Elam um, scoring, but you could start experimenting with a four point line. You could start experimenting like with what they're doing in the G league where all fouls are one shot fouls. So if I get shot, if I get fouled shooting a three pointer, I take one free throw. If I make it, I get three points. If I miss, I get zero and you can start messing around with some rules in this mid season tournament format that doesn't have any effect on the regular season. All it has an effect on is the NBA's pocketbook and the players getting a big chunk of change in their pocketbook for guys that might not be making that grain of money. I think this could work as long as it's completely up to the players whether they participate. I think that's key. I, I don't know that you should. it should be written into their contract that they have to necessarily. I think that could honestly kind of encourage some of these guys – some of these smaller time guys, so to speak, for lack of a better term to, to really step up and be like, yeah, I want to take a shot at that prize. I I don't know that you should force your biggest stars to play in it because if part of the idea is to elevate some of these, some of these role players and some of these other guys to into the spotlight with this type of event, then I think it's probably better to, to primarily say, Okay, if you choose, if you so choose, you can you can participate in this deal. And I think the big the big thing is is like I think that that is certainly an element of it. Um, I think there's incentive there for big players to want to play in it because that's again you're you're helping guys get life changing money, and these guys might be your future teammates. You're building relationships around the league and doing things that like I think that at least if it was me and some of these guys, it's like. I'm helping my guy because like at the end of the day, yeah, basketball players care about rings, but they care about money more than they care about rings. Most of them because and ten, like I said, 10 million bucks is life changing money. Like as someone that did financial planning for a while too, let me tell you 10 million bucks, especially if you invest it smartly is, uh, is a, is not, is like you are set for several generations if you're smart with that money. I don't know that you're necessarily going to get 10 right off the bat, like maybe one or five or maybe a smaller number would be would be more likely to, to get it at least off the ground and then you could build up to the number that you're that you're throwing out there. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure like this like you said, this is a pretty pretty radical idea and and I mean that kind of in two ways. One of them, I, I think it could be really cool and and also it's it's nothing that we've i think ever seen before either no and so and here's here's the thing is like it's never been seen before it's a a radical idea but more importantly i think a couple of things one i think it, it it gets players bought in and engaged um 
Hell, even the big names, like $10 million bucks to guys that are making $30 million a year, that's a third of a year's pay. Like, that's not an insignificant amount of money. And the reason I think, and I, I kind of waffled back and forth, like you, like you brought up with saying, well, you got to start small to get to that number. But the thing is, is like, the way I see it is you get a sponsor and you say, hey, you know, you're sponsoring this whole thing. But what you can do is if you get star players to play in it, and, you know, say, you know, LeBron's team wins the whole thing or whatever, you then can get LeBron to do ads, sell, like, use LeBron in ads for these companies because he's played in the tournament and all you're doing is just using, you know, footage from the tournament as a way to market the company or do this, that, and the other. At one point, I know I had tossed out to you that you have, you do like five of these tournaments and you do some smaller tournaments where every single tournament venue you know, is it's it's located in a different city without a basketball team around the U.S. And you come to some markets that are really underserved and you could say, OK, you know, and you do it in this case, probably through, you know, three on three style where every team's got five players again. But you sell to every single one of the venues. So if say you do five of them you could sell a sponsorship to a different company at every single venue and say it's going to cost you 15 million bucks to sponsor this event and you're going to get in all the ad promo for that particular region's tournament we're going to do all of these different things to package it all together to say hey you know however much the NBA needs to get their cut of it to make it work you can sell that to different teams and or to different organizations and businesses and things to sponsor it. And then the players, no matter what, get a cut of, of that money that goes into it. So it's like, you know, say you charge 20 million or 25, 30 million bucks. You've always got this, uh, you know, you've got the residual there to go back to the players. You're selling a sponsorship that, you know, to the sponsor includes that you say, Hey, whatever winning team you can use them in your advertising. If they've got a star player on it, great. You can use that star player. And that way there is all of this money that is, you know, you've, you've created a, uh, a cash cow to pay the players a certain chunk of change to make sure that it is worth their time and helping them get, you know, some semblance of the revenue out of this thing, I think is a really cool idea. Yeah, it certainly could be. And, and obviously this is just an idea and and a lot of what we're talking about today on this this particular episode and in this particular series are just ideas and that's something to remember as 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 i listen to you and and anybody out there listens to us like we're just throwing stuff out there that we think would be cool kind of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing if anything sticks and it's that's part of what makes this makes this fun and yeah that sounds like a, a pretty fun idea that even if elements of that were successful to getting to reality, I I think it could be a a compelling event. Yeah. And again, in a lot of this, the problem with a lot of this is that, you know, especially this idea that I, I, you, you really need more than just me and you to bounce an idea off of. I need a room full of, you know, people that know the league well and know what they're charging for sponsorships and all of that stuff to really get together and be able to figure out what the number would need to be. And some of the, finer details of this, which is why this idea is a little less fleshed out than the others is just, it's an idea I had in my head that I thought would be cool and we're going to run with it. 
And so, you know, it needs, it needs some like real fleshing out, but I would really, in order to do that would need a team of a lot of people to really sit down and kind of build this thing from the ground up, you know, I think, but I think it's got some potential to be really cool and could really be something interesting for the league to at least give it a shot rather than just doing some standard midseason tournament. Do some, cause like the one thing like I associate with the NBA above all other sports league leagues is the NBA has style, you know, the players, flashy dressers, you know, a lot of them, like look at Russell Westbrook. And I'm saying this is a compliment by the way, like the NBA players much more than football players are super fashion conscious and have a ton of style, but also the game, their game on the court is so much about their personal flair and style to playing the game. Whereas like there's only so much a wide receiver can do in football to, dis- to you know, to differentiate himself from all other wide receivers. Yeah, you could have your DeAndre Hopkins that makes all these crazy catches and stuff, but that's relying on another player. Whereas in the NBA, if you can do crazy dunks and have these wild fast break plays or be like Steph and shoot all these threes, it's a much more personal brand. And the NBA has got so much style that, I feel like their midseason tournament needs to have just as much, if not more, pizzazz to what they're doing. Yeah, and to continue the compare contrast there, I mean, football players wear helmets and basketball players don't. Like, and that seems like a pretty obvious statement, but that is part of why the DNA of each sport is different. You can always see the immediately in real time the you can connect with the emotions that these, these players are going through. Like with football, you kind of have to wait until they're on the bench or get just the right shot from the sideline cam or something like that to, to really connect. I I, I guess to to some extent, like some people can, it's almost inherent, but as far as if you've played the game before and you really understand the game and everything like that, obviously, but with, with basketball, it's, it's a little, it's a little easier just because the players are more accessible because of just how the game works and what the game looks like. And, and so if you, if you give people a, a yet another chance to connect with that, I mean, who knows, it could be turned into one of the premier events in, in the nation in, in, on the national calendar. Yeah. And I think, you know, just kind of put a bow on all this is that like, whatever the, the NBA does, I'm going to be excited to see what happens with the tournament. The idea got tabled, but from what I've heard, they're going to keep working on it to kind of bring a mid season tournament to the NBA. So I'll be very curious to see what happens, but I'll be excited at the same time as a guy that loves basketball. I want more basketball and cool ways to enjoy basketball. And this could be, could be the way forward, especially with the reality that, you know, the season's probably going to get shortened. Um, and I guess it's time to kind of segue into what to do about the, the number of games in the NBA. Um, you know, currently with an 82 game schedule, players are being load managed, especially like Kawhi and has, you know, really kind of been the, the, I'm the front runner and the, you know, let's blame for, starting this load management train. I don't necessarily think that criticism is entirely fair, but it is a reality. The league faces that, you know, the players really feel like 82 games is too much. So Kempson, what do you think they should do? Well, kind of like I touched on earlier, I think, I, I, I don't, I think, I don't think divisions need to be as important as they are in the current structure. I think you could just 
conference up all the teams and say, play three versus your conference, which would be versus the 14 other teams, and then two against the other conference, which would be 30 total. And that equates to 72 games as far as I did the math on as far as I did the math on that. And honestly, I think that's what I came up with as, as my favorite idea because it doesn't necessarily like shrink the season down to where you feel like you're being robbed of a, a bunch of games. Like it's just a 10 game reduction. And obviously there's a lot of consequences and a lot of variables there. I understand that, but I think it it makes the scheduling fair as far as you get an odd number of games against teams that you're actually competing with more directly for playoff spots because in in this in this law in this logic train i i see them still having the different conferences as far as at least the first couple round of the playoffs because i know reseeding for the playoffs especially in the semifinals and conference or, or sem- the the league semifinals, make, making it more of a league semifinal versus the conference finals, kind of that transition, which we'll probably get to later. But the bottom line is I, I think you can reduce but not like shrink it down too much. And I think it's it's kind of a happy medium to a certain extent as far as 72 games with three versus the people you're directed or the, the teams that you're competing most directly with for playoff spots and then two versus the other conference just so we have a measuring stick of how everybody in the league to to a certain extent stacks up with each other for me that's kind of the number that i i came to was i'd like to see two games against the other conference three games against your own conference and then move on into the playoffs i think comes down to 72 i think for me the big thing is just that I want to make sure that I want to eliminate, and this is something you've probably, if you've listened to this podcast, have heard me gripe about enough is that one thing I hate about the NFL is that their playoff season by conference and who gets in is determined by a place schedule. So if you win your division, you are going to by nature have the hardest schedule in your division the following year. And I think that is some serious, and I apologize for this, but it's bullshit as far as I'm concerned. It hurts your competitive balance. It does all of these different things to punish teams for being good. And in my opinion, it's like that's 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 not cool. And in the NBA, you haven't really seen that because everybody pretty much plays the same schedule. And that's something that you really, I think, need to keep is keep every team in the conference playing the same teams. So you're playing the other conference twice and then you're playing everybody in your own conference three times. Obviously, if you can't play yourself, so, you know, that's going to have some, can have some wild swings if you're like the 73-win Warriors or whatever that is like, oh, well, we won 73 games. Yeah, that's going to kind of have a swing on your strength of schedule, but that's just because you can't play yourself. So you're still playing, you know, everybody's playing basically the same, keep everything on even keel, even playing field as much as possible, going into the playoffs, um which I really like um, it and I and not to transfer too much into the but I think we might as well because I think these two topics kind of blend together really well into what to do about the play to uh, to open the playoffs up to just the 16 best teams. My only complaint with that is if we continue to hold that the Eastern Conference is weaker, you know, that's going to cause some weird 
wonky problems. And I just would like to see it, you know, if you keep it as, as the conferences, at least up until the conference finals, you've, you've at least achieved some level of schedule parity. And I think that's really important and helps competitive balance, at least in terms of, in terms of strength of schedule. Um, I think that's a really important thing to consider. Yeah, I know that's something we both consider very important fundamentally as a value is equality of opportunity. And I think that that the restructuring to where you, you don't do the divisions anymore, it actually simplifies the scheduling process quite a bit because right now with the way they have to put the 82-game schedule together, it, it's a little wonkier as far as you know you have to – to play your division opponents a certain amount of times, and then you have to play some other your other conference opponents a certain amount of times to kind of get the measuring stick that's desired. And and the thing is, I I I ran some other numbers as well, and I felt like the the numbers were too small for for anything less than than what the three versus your conference, two versus the other. It's a good round number. It's not an odd number, which I think would be weird if, for example, like has been alleged this week the. NFL might go to an odd numbered schedule. I think that's just weird, uh, but maybe that's just that's just me. Maybe, but yeah, I think seventy two games is a good one, and I think we're in agreement as well to try to kind of transition into the playoff talk. As far as I, I think that it would help with the like you're saying, it would help leverage people towards putting the top sixteen teams, regardless of conference, in having the the tournament where you're playing for the number one pick would help leverage people into that idea. And I, I don't know that it's going to, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I mean, we haven't tried it yet, but it could possibly. And I, I think it could, it could make the, the legal league better. And, and I mean, having a majority of the teams make the playoffs is not something that I, it's not like a hill that I'm going to die on for reduction of teams in the playoffs either. And it's, I mean, I, I think actually eight is, is a pretty solid number from each conference. And if you could just take the top 16 or the top 14, however you need to structure that. And then, you know, being the number one seed would also acquire some extra incentive there because then you get a first round buy for, for the playoffs if you just t- take the top 14. But if, if people are against the completely against the reduction of teams in the playoffs, then I at least want the top 16 as far as overall record. I, I think that earns you a right to be in, in the, in the tournament that ends in the NBA finals. So, and this is something I'm really conflicted on how I feel about opening up the playoffs to just the top 16 teams. Is it going to make the playoffs better? Yes. Um, but at the same time, First off, it's unrealistic because the East is never going to go for it unless this midseason tournament does what uh, what we suggested earlier. But even then, I think it's a tough sell. So the logistical realities of the East are are pretty challenging. Let's take the Warriors when they added Durant as an example. Well, and that and a lot of that had to do with some salary cap loopholes that I have a major problem with, which we're going to talk about. We will do an episode about salary caps. We might have to do a separate episode about the NFL and NBA salary cap just because of the nuances, but I think the general premise there is the same, but the nuances between the two, at least on my end, are complicated enough to where I don't know if we can just do one episode. But I will say this, is that 
for if you look at the 73 win Warriors, one of the things that helped them be successful was they could spend money because they had new ownership. They had ex- very wealthy owners, you know, Silicon Valley's right there and they had the money to spend because they're in such a big market. Whereas that's not necessarily the case for a lot of these small market East teams. I listened to a podcast and I highly recommend everybody check it out called dunked on hosted by Nate Duncan. Who's a former attorney, but he's also a salary cap guru. And he also has another podcast called the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show um, where they talk a lot about he's with a former um, NBA GM, John Hollinger, who started he came up with player um, player efficiency rating, so he came up with PER. Um, but they talk a lot about how a lot of teams, especially in the East, are trying to avoid the luxury tax, which was something that the Warriors, when they when they got really good, when they got Durant, were able to do. They paid pretty deep into the luxury tax, and that's just something a lot of those teams in the East can't do. And until some of these changes are made to really either even the playing field or open it up. You know, it's a serious problem for contention. And I don't think you should be punishing teams in the East entirely based off, you know, based off the fact they can't pay the luxury tax, which to be clear, the luxury tax is not just, well, every dollar you spend above X amount, I can't remember what the luxury tax number is, but once X amount of dollars you spend over that, you don't have to, it's not, you know, it's not just like, oh, you're into the tax. It's like, it counts like three or four times. So every, so if I, you know, was to pay a player $10 million and go 10 million above the luxury tax, that's 30 or $40 million extra I have to pay. And that can be backbreaking to a franchise. And that's a, and that's a very serious, serious concern to why they can't compete. So for me, I look at it as until some other things change in the NBA to create more parity between the teams in terms of salary cap scenarios and what their teams can spend and things like that, I am personally not in favor of opening up it to just the best 16 teams until some of those other concerns have been addressed. And and that's just because I think that all of those teams in the East, you, you know, your conference should matter just because you you're on a weaker playing field doesn't mean you shouldn't have a shot at making the playoffs. No, I, I think that's actually fair. Like I, I said, obviously like get better, but I also said earlier, like it's easier said than done. And there are realities, there are nuances to it. And I'm not looking to cripple franchises just because, uh, just because I, I'm being idealistic, obviously. Like that's that's not my intention at all, and I know you know that, but I just wanted to say that. What about possibly reducing reducing e- the the team you take from each conference to say seven from each conference, so that not a majority of the league makes it. Actually, it's 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 one less. It, a majority actually doesn't make it. It makes it more exclusive. What do you think of that? That that doesn't really bother me. Like I I don't have this like oh half the team makes the playoffs like. Honestly, I think that there's something to be said for a lot of times those bottom eight, that, that eighth team that sneaks in. Um, you've seen some crazy stuff like when New Orleans swept Portland. Well, and I think it was Golden State and the Mavericks several years ago as well. You see some crazy stuff with that that like last team to sneak in can get a little dangerous. And I actually kind of like that. But the other thing is like this year right now you've got like in the West you've got like 
Portland, Memphis, and I can't remember who the other team. Who, oh, it's San Antonio are all kind of in a battle for that eighth seed in the West. And that's a, I think right now that's a really compelling battle. Like that's a super compelling battle because Portland has been a disaster all year, and I don't entirely understand why. Like it's I don't know it's it's in like I've listened to so much NBA content and nobody really has the answer other than Whiteside didn't really work out and they're just banged up they're super injured um, San Antonio is turned into a team from 30 years ago where it's well we're gonna take a lot of mid range twos and Memphis is the up and coming John Morant led fun team like it's a super compelling story and I think that makes it worth having that eighth team. Plus, if the Grizzlies can sneak in, man, that playoff experience, especially for like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., oofta, that's that's big for their careers. So honestly, I actually I, I like the I like having eight teams from every conference. What I will maybe suggest is two things that that could be done. One, after the first round of the playoffs, the number one seed gets to pick their opponent, and then the number two seed also gets to do the same. You could do that. Or the other option is when you get to the conference finals, it's the number one team will always, or when you get to the like conference finals, you'll have the number one teams will play the number two teams from from based off record. So, so basically you would let me, let me rephrase that. So then the best, the team with the best record in one conference would, could play the team, the, the team from the other conference. That's like the second highest rated team. And then the second team with the best record would play the third best record, basically just reseeding the whole thing to make it, you know, the best team is going to play the, the worst remaining team. So that way the thought process would be the finals then would be the last could be the two best of the of the remaining teams. So you could basically have the one seeds from both conferences facing each other if the whole tournament went chalk is basically the idea there. I don't know how I feel about that idea. I like it to an extent because I think it could make the matchups more interesting and basically be like, hey, you know, having home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs means something. But at the same time, I also think that like every other sport does it where the best, at least in American sports anyway, the winner of the conference plays the winner of the other conference. So it's a little weird to me and I don't quite know how to feel about it. I kind of go back and forth on it, but it is one thought on how to solve things. Yeah, it is interesting because it is something that we're obviously not used to because a lot of pretty much all of our leagues are conference based to some extent and especially the way the championships are set up. But I mean, I don't hate it, It, especially if it works with the, just the final four of them. I wonder if you don't institute it for the, the other round as well, the round before and I don't know, maybe maybe it could be part of some kind of revolution in American sports to not be so conference-based. Like, I, I, I understand to some extent why they are that way. I mean, I'm sure some of the TV con- – I, I know that the, the TV contracts can be based on the conference or on the American League versus the National League and stuff like that in baseball. But, I mean, it, it's still the playoffs. It's still the same amount of teams. It's still, in theory, the same number of games or at least the same format. 
but I understand why they would want to 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 keep it as much as possible conference based. But I don't know the for just for the final four, it could be kind of fun. I'm not normally one to say that, and there, there's a fall, there's a technical like Latin fallacy term for this, but it basically means doing things because that's the way it's always been done. It's a, it's a fallacy, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just it's this is one where the conferences and I and I know actually how the conferences a lot of times got started was because of Major League Baseball was actually the real reason that a lot of that got kicked off because the American League and the National League have always kind of had different rule sets. Obviously the biggest now being the designated hitter, but there's always been little nuances between the two. So the interesting thing there is that like, that's where it started. It just kind of became part of our sporting culture. I'm not always sure how I feel about a lot of that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but at the same time, like I'm also not saying it's right. I, I really can't, I go back and forth on it and it's one. And I, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Not having, you know, I don't have to have my mind made up about it. I actually feel that about a lot of things that, you know, being able to see both sides of this one. And I think could be really interesting, could be really fun. I would maybe even say, Hey, maybe they try it for a year, you know, maybe wait a couple years and see, you know, where the league's at in a couple years. And maybe it's time to try it. Cause I think right now the my only thing is right now is that I think the conferences, the parody between the top four teams in every conference is pretty close. I think the the Clippers, the, the Lakers, the Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee are all pretty close to each other. I can't remember exactly who's sitting at third in the West off the top of my head at the moment, but you know, it's, it's, there's quite a bit. Oh, it's Denver. It's Denver. So there's, there's quite a bit of parody going on in the league. So it's like, I feel like those, you know, three, those six teams are all pretty even. So I'm not going to be too pissed about the conference final stuff, but if it starts to get to a point where in a couple of years, you know, the two best teams are still in one conference, then maybe I think it's time to look at that. But I think right now with Giannis being the force he is in the East and Embiid in the East, they're just as good as any Western conference team. So I think that they're, I, I don't think it's necessary right now, but down the road, maybe. Well, and I guess that would be the question is like, are circumstances of of the moment like is it going to be kind of a prisoner of the moment move potentially because i don't necessarily want circumstance to drive every decision that i make so if you don't feel like it's a solid principle to base your league off of then that's fine you you can just it it can be an idea that goes by the wayside and i mean kind of just to to wrap all of this talk up like not every idea that we thought was good that we laid out or we talked about today, not all of those are going to go in effect, especially at the same time. Like there's give and take in all of this. And that's honestly what it kind of goes on behind the scenes a lot, but some people really enjoy that about, about sports or about just life in general, I guess. But it it was a fun talk though. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what else we, we talk about in this format. So the one thing I want to I want to kind of I want to say though is that like I think when the league decides to if they were ever to try the reseeding format, circumstance has to di- has to dictate the experiment. Fair, fair. I think. 
to do it once and say we're going to try it. To try it, the circumstances have to be right to try it. Now, for that for it to become a thing where it only gets instituted based off a certain set of criteria, I think is BS. Right, it's right. either you try it and if you love it, you make the change, but the circumstance has to has to dictate the experiment. You could potentially experiment with it in the midseason tournament if that becomes a thing first as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing is about the midseason tournament that's such a good idea is it can really be an experimenting ground for the NBA with new rules and things like that. There, there's a lot of things that that midseason tournament really brings. Um, and I think we covered most of that earlier in the podcast too, which I think is good. I think we've had some good discussion on, on this particular pod. And, and like I was saying just a second ago, and, and it's, it's going to be interesting to even kind of, even while I'm editing and even after I'm done in post and stuff, like it's going to be interesting to, to go back and, and just listen to it and, and kind of see, what actually stands out as, as a really good idea maybe and and potentially down the road see if we had some ideas that that end up actually coming to fruition later on and uh, that would that would be actually pretty awesome but i mean it, it was a, it was a fun a fun episode and and like i said hopefully we can continue to to have some some thoughtful discussion about some of the other stuff that, that we have coming down the pipe. Yeah, 100%. I'm really fascinated to see where this goes and where our discussions will lead us and how right or how wrong we may be down the future. Next week, I have some ideas for what we could talk about next week. I think it'll be really exciting. We'll talk about it off air and just keep your eyes out on, on our Twitter for our next topic, so to speak, and we'll see uh, we'll see what everybody thinks. As always, thanks for listening. Hope we didn't hurt your eardrums at all. Um, we got a fancy, fancy new outro we're going to try this week. And uh, so thanks for listening. And as always, may all your flops go unfined. The Semi-Athletic Sportscast is on Twitter and Facebook at Semi-Athletes, where you can link to our official feed of new episodes and find our latest podcast updates. You can also send questions, comments, and, of course, metaphysical speculations to semiathlete at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Please subscribe and review. We always appreciate your feedback.